Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. What do you say? You in? Absolutely. Let's take a ride in the cash cab. The clavicle is more commonly known by what name? Collarbone. Yes! Well, I know you all were disappointed. You thought you were going to see an episode of Cash Cab, and instead uh, I came up here. Who has actually seen Cash Cab? Yeah, well, yeah, well like everybody. Okay, well, that, that's pretty impressive. Who hasn't seen Cash Cab? Okay, well, it's just, it's the teenagers over here. You all need to learn how to answer some questions, which is why. If you don't know what cash cab is, uh, this guy drives a taxi cab, picks people up in New York City randomly, and asks them questions on their route, and they can win money on the route. What's become such a big deal that everybody in New York is hoping that they get in the cash cab because you can make several thousand dollars on the way there. And so they're all hoping, hey, hopefully this is the cab I get in where I'm going to make some money. The downside is if you miss three questions, you get kicked out wherever you are just on the side of the road. They just open the door and kick you out and suddenly, suddenly you're gone. But what a, not, what a thing if you were waiting for a taxi cab and suddenly you get in and you have an opportunity to make thousands of dollars, something you didn't expect, but now people in New York are actually looking for. I tell you that this morning because we're going to be in a sermon series called Cash Cab. And what we're going to be talking about is just as you open the door of a taxi cab in New York and hope it's the cash cab, I want you to know that every time you go out into the world, every time you leave your house, even when you just get up in the morning and meet other people in your house, hey, that's my son, that's my daughter, or you begin to talk to your spouse, that there are going to be different needs, different things going on, different ways for you to make an impact in somebody's life if you are looking for it and expecting it, and it'll happen in the most unusual places at the most unusual time. Uh, at a Chick-fil-A in North Carolina this week, people were just going in for lunch, uh, and in the, in the middle of the lunch hour, the manager came out and said, I'm sorry, all of my employees need to stop for a second. They had a lady that worked with them that was about to undergo breast cancer surgery, and he said, we're going to pray, and if you'd like to pray in the restaurant, we're going to do that for this lady now. Everyone in the restaurant bowed their heads, began to pray for this lady, but more than that, what happened afterwards? People who didn't know this lady at all but had been in the restaurant begin to call the restaurant or come back the next day and said, what have you heard? We've been praying for her nonstop and, and all this, all because of an unusual incident that nobody expected to happen when you went in to buy some nuggets or tenders, depending on which you like. I'll leave that up to you. So we're going to look over into Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be expecting divine encounters from God. So look over to Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 40. And the first thing is this. We need to look for and expect God to be working all around us. We need to look for and expect God to be working all around us. Now, when our scripture begins, Jesus is returning from that area of the Gerasenes. Remember the story of the Gerasene demoniac, the, the crazed man, and Jesus cast the demons out of him into the pig and everything? Well, that was Gentile area. 
Uh, they were afraid of Jesus after that. Uh, they asked him to return back home, so they crossed the Sea of Galilee. And when they get back into Jewish territory, when they get off the boat, a huge crowd is waiting to see them. Jesus is unbelievably popular. Uh, there is uh, healings, unbelievable words, all these uh, miracles that are being attached to him. And wherever he goes, people are showing up. And so look down to chapter 8, verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. And then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And so we see Jesus lands here immediately. The crowd shows up. Everybody's going crazy. Jesus is back, the great miracle worker. And then as the crowd is thronging to see Jesus, one of the most important people in town, a man by the name of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, comes up to Jesus and says, my 12-year-old daughter is sick. Can you come and heal her? Now, if you're one of the people in the crowd, it doesn't get any better than this. There isn't any television or internet, you know, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not playing video games or something like this. You know, this is a big deal. Uh, this miracle worker is going to go to the home of one of the most important people in town and heal his daughter. So everybody wants to be a part of that. Hey, let's go. And so the crowd is all excited. They're going to get to see a miracle. You don't wake up in the middle of the day thinking, hey, I'm going to go out today and see a miracle happen. But that is something now that is right before them. They can't believe what is going on, and they want to be a part of it. And what has Jesus done to get all of this going? He just showed up. He showed up. The crowd immediately came. Jairus came. And now suddenly Jesus has an opportunity that God has given him to make a difference. There will be times in your life that the only thing you need to do to have a divine encounter from God is to just show up. Just show up at the restaurant where you're going to eat. Just show up at your workplace. Just show up at school. Just show up at the kids' ball game. All you have to do is show up, and it's what happens around you that will begin to make the difference. The lives of the people around you as they interact with you are going to give you opportunities over and over again to make a difference for God. Now, there's four things that can happen when God gives us divine encounters. One of the things that can happen is that God wants to teach you something in a divine encounter. So don't always think it's always about you doing something for somebody else. Sometimes God wants you to learn something. A second thing that will happen is that God wants you to teach somebody else something. Just as you may learn something, you may be able to give somebody else something. A third thing that might happen, you may be able to help somebody. You may be there to to care for, to help, to reach out, to be kind, compassionate, caring, uh, whatever. You have an opportunity to help another person. And the fourth thing, and what this main series is going to be about for the next four weeks, is that there will often be times that you have an opportunity to lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ. And it will happen all around you in the most unlikely moments at the most unlikely time if we are looking for it and expecting God to do something. Now, with that said, and we've talked about this before, let's talk about salvation and understand that in most people's lives, salvation is a process. It's not something that just immediately happens. 
Uh, it's generally a process. Somebody plants the seed. They tell you about God. You get curious, whatever. But there's a seed planted. Somebody else waters the seed. Okay, you heard that. You weren't sure. Somebody else backs it up a little bit in your life, and you begin to water that seed. But then weeds can grow, and it can stifle out what God is trying to do. And maybe your job in the salvation process of an individual is to get rid of some of those weeds that may show up at time to time. And then you may be there when that person actually gives their life to Christ. You know, as Paul said, you know, hey, you know, uh, uh, Apollos, I plan Apollos waters, God gets the increase. It's all about what happens with God. So we need to understand that when we have divine encounters, be a part of the process. What we often think is we have to plant, water, weed, and, and reap all in the same 30 seconds we meet somebody. It seldom happens that way in somebody's life. Be satisfied with being the weeder. Be satisfied with, with uh, 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 being the person that gives the water because if you do that, God will give you opportunities and you'll see great results because of it. But every day in every encounter, look for and expect God to be doing something around you. If you're doing that, you're going to see God working all the time in so many, many different ways. Steve Haley uh, has always loved Africa and the animals of Africa. Finally got to go uh, to Zimbabwe, and uh, he went to the, the national park there, and he was looking for exotic animals to take pictures of. So he's scouring the countryside as him and a couple of friends go out in their Jeep in the park looking for animals, intentionally looking so that they can take pictures. And he sees an impala stuck in the mud about to go down in the quicksand. And so he gets out of his Jeep, goes over, and he does this. He literally pulls the impala out of the mud and saves that that impala's life. Now, how was he able to do that? Because he was expecting something to happen. He was looking for it to happen. And then when he saw it, he was able to react. Now, this isn't what he expected to happen. He was expecting to take a picture of a zebra or a giraffe or a lion or something. But he was intentionally looking, and when that happened, he was able to save this animal. What you need to understand is God is going to be working all around you, and we need to be intentionally looking and expecting God to work in most unusual ways and in the most unusual places. Look for and expect God to work. That brings us to the second thing that we see in our Scripture. Realize that you have no idea what is going on in the lives of people around you. You have no idea what's going on in the lives of people around you. Even people who are in your own house. Your spouse may be going through something that they haven't shared with you. Your children may have something that have happened at school or somewhere else that you don't know. You may go to work and have no idea what's happening to someone at the, at the water cooler uh, that day. You may go to school and not know that, that the child you're, you're talking to has just been abused by their parents. Uh, you don't know when you go to the ball game that the, the, the lady that you were talking to right next to you is going through a divorce with her husband. You have no idea what's happening in the lives of people all around you. Look down to verse 42 again of our scripture passage. Because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying, as Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, the crowds almost crushed him. So the crowd is around him. They're pushing, they're shoving, they're trying to get to Jesus. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately 
her bleeding stopped. So you have this woman, this woman in the crowd. No one knows her backstory, and her backstory is a very tragic one. She has basically been having a, a, hemorrhage, a hemorrhage, a blood hemorrhage for 12 years. She has been menstruating for 12 straight years without a stop. She is weak. She is tired. She's gone to all kinds of doctors, we're told. Uh, the doctors had no idea how to cure the problem that she had. And uh, she is frustrated. She is tired. She's sick. But more than that, because of the kind of, of illness that she has... She is ceremonially impure and can't even go into the synagogue to worship. She is considered unclean, untouchable. God has somehow cursed her and she's not even allowed to go worship. So this woman that has everything in the world crushing down upon her sees Jesus and has some hope and reaches out just to touch his cloak because she thinks, if I can just touch him, Maybe it's really true, and I'll be healed. And when she touches just the end of Jesus' cloak, the woman immediately feels this issue of blood that she has been suffering with for over a decade heal. Every day, all around you, they will encounter people, and you will have no idea what is going on in their lives. You don't know the depth of their hurt. You don't know the depth of their pain. And that includes people sitting right next to you in this room today. People who are all dressed up and look nice and smile and pat you on the back and say, how are you doing? And have a big smile. And you don't know that their heart is breaking. You don't know that they've lost their job or they've come to financial ruin or they've had a diagnosis of cancer. You don't know what's going on around you. We have, uh, as you know, the prayer request cards in the pews, and they're taken up, and then we have a group of people that pray for them during each service. And if you've never been on that prayer team, I've sat in there and talked to the people, and if you're a first-time person in there, this is what I hear every time for a first-time person. It broke my heart to read dozens of prayer requests from people I'm sitting right next to every Sunday morning, and I had no idea. We have no idea the pain and the depth of the pain of the people who are all around us. And so we need to be open and looking and expecting God to work. In Los Angeles this week, uh, two police officers, it was late at night, about 2 in the morning. They saw a car driving erratically. What would you think? Guys drunk on drugs, something like that. They pull the car over. When they do, the lady driving the car jumps out. This spooks the police officers. You don't jump out of a car when a police officer comes. So they they immediately get ready for something to happen. The lady is screaming out of control. They're ready to taser and put her down. And then they figure out what she's saying. And what she's yelling is this. My baby, my baby can't breathe. He's in the car. My baby can't breathe. And immediately they run over and they find the baby, only less than a year old, and the baby cannot breathe. One begins to do chest compressions on the baby. The other tries to call an ambulance. They're told the ambulance will be there in five to ten minutes. They know that they're close to the hospital. The lady was trying to get to the emergency room. So they just take the baby, put her in the police car, and go immediately to the hospital. And here's a picture of them as they entered the hospital right there. And that baby ended up being saved and lived. 
They had no idea what was going on when they stopped that police car, when they stopped that car that was driving erratically. No idea. They would have never guessed this is what was happening. They already had a scenario in mind of what was going on. It didn't match the reality. And so when it comes to divine encounters, you need to understand that when you're talking to people, you know nothing about the depth of their hurt and pain, and you just need to be open to whatever God is leading in the situation when you are encountering them. That brings us to the third thing that we see in our scripture passage. We have to be willing to be interrupted in our daily schedule. If you're going to have divine encounters with people, if you're going to really be able to help them at the point of their their deepest need, then you're going to have to be willing to be interrupted in your everyday life. Now let's see how Jesus is willing to do that. What's Jesus doing now? He's on his way to Jairus' house, one of the most important men in town. He's on his way to heal the daughter of a man that everybody knows and the whole crowd is following. It's a big deal. Look down to verse 45 after the woman has touched Jesus. Verse 45. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And they all denied it. And Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Really interesting scripture here. So here's this crowd. Jesus is kind of like Justin Bieber. He's walking through there. They're trying to grab him and yell at him. They're trying to just rip off a piece of his shirt to get a piece of the cloth. The whole crowd is going berserk and yelling and screaming and pressing in upon them, we say. And in the middle of all this going on, Jesus stops, turns around, and says, Who touched me? And Peter says, Seriously? And we're being pushed and shoved and grabbed, sometimes inappropriately. And then you say, who touched me? And Jesus just ignores him. And Jesus said, who touched me? Because I felt power, my power of healing, go out of me. That's a really interesting turn of phrase because what Jesus said was every time he healed someone... It was him giving a part of himself, and he felt the power of God leave him every time he healed someone. And so he looks around and says, who who did this? Who touched me? Now, Jesus is doing something really important. He's on his way to the religious leader's house. It's a big deal. But in the middle of this, he stops because he's willing to be interrupted by someone who is hurting Because he's having a divine encounter right there with someone. We need to understand that if we're going to have divine encounters, we have to be willing to be interrupted. Our schedule is so busy. We are so hectic. We've got so much going on that there is no telling how many times we miss God putting people right in front of us. And we totally miss it because all we're thinking about is ourselves. We go into the restaurant and and our, our waiter or waitress is basically a faceless person waiting on us so that we can get our food and go on. And we have no idea what is going on in their life and we have no idea whether they are hurting or not when they are all around us. Dawn and I one time were at a restaurant and the, the waitress seemed a little uh, a little harried as she was coming by and I figured she was just, you know, real busy and so I said, Hey, are you okay? 
She pulled up a chair and sat down at our table and started telling us all the problems of her life. I wanted to say, you know, I just wanted some tea, you know, but, you know, she sat down at our table. Why did she do that? Because she was having things going on in her life that were tearing her up, but nobody was noticing. Hey, you know what's one of the things she said? She said, you know, I've got some things going on in my life that are really hurting me right now, and this is what I'm getting today. Hey, hey. That's, That's her encounter with people. So not only do you not know what's going on, you've got to be willing to be interrupted. Are you willing, when you're walking through a a crowded airport trying to get to your flight, are you willing to be interrupted by somebody? Are you willing to be interrupted at the ball game when you're watching it? Do you even notice the person you're sitting next to, or are you just consumed with the ball game? We have to be willing to be interrupted. William Wilkerson is a technology teacher at Grace Christian Academy in Georgia. One of his students, Caden Kabecki, uh, was diagnosed with a, uh, a failed kidney and needed a kidney transplant. It got very critical. And then one day he went through and he heard his mom talking to the principal and saying, if he doesn't find a donor, uh, we don't know if he's going to live over the next month or two, but he's going to stay in school as long as he can. And it was then that William Wilkerson, who was walking to his next class and just happened to overhear this, walked up to the mom and said, um, you don't really know me, I'm a teacher here, but for some reason God has impressed upon me that I need to go be tested to see if I'm an I'm a able donor for your son. And so that afternoon, he interrupted his schedule, he went and was tested, found out he was a perfect match. Isn't that strange? The transplant went well. Here's a picture of William and Caden uh, right there. You see, when you're willing to be interrupted in your schedule... God can do great things. For William Wilkerson, he was busy. He was rushing to his next class. But God nudged him and said, something's going on here. You need to stop. You need to do something. If you're so consumed with your schedule, you'll never hear or see God working. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. Trust God's leadership. Trust God's leadership, and he'll take you where you need to go. God will nudge you into the right places. Look down to verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, she couldn't go unnoticed because the whole crowd's now looking around. Who touched him? You know, uh, something's happening here. She came trembling because she knew something amazing and powerful and miraculous had happened. She fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. Now, for everyone in the crowd, this is great. Whoa, we got to see two miracles, not one. This is fantastic. But for the crowd, what are they centering on? They're centering on a physical healing that has taken place. Jesus has physically healed this woman. It is miraculous. But I want you to see what Jesus says to the woman. Keep reading down to verse 48. Verse 48. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jesus took it from a physical healing and started talking about a spiritual matter. 
And what he said to her was this. Do you know why you were healed? You were healed because of faith. You were healed because you believed against hope that I could do something. You were healed because in the midst of your hurt and your pain, you still didn't give up on God. For 12 years, doctors have told you, I'm sorry, we have no idea what's wrong. There's nothing we can do about it. You've spent all of your money all those 12 years. You haven't even been allowed to go into the synagogue to worship. People have told you that you were an untouchable and unclean and that God was cursing you, but you didn't give up. You still had hope. You reached out and touched me. It's your faith in God that healed you today. He took a physical healing and looked at a spiritual healing. God will always give you opportunities to go from the the actual, what we think is the need, to spiritual healing if if we're really open to that. He will nudge you over and over again. This person needs something. This person needs your help, your care, your love. If you're only willing to listen to the nudges of God. And he's going to nudge you each and every day that you're open and listening to it. Just to be the kind of caring and loving person that makes a difference in somebody's life. Sometimes planting a seed, sometimes watering, sometimes weeding, and sometimes being there when the harvest comes in. If we're only there looking for God to work and to do something about it. LaShonda Carter is a teacher in Chicago, Illinois, and she told her students, she said, If you ever need me for any reason, all you have to do is contact me and I'll do anything I can to help you. One night at 3 in the morning, her telephone she saw lit up. And she looked over and she said, ah, it's a stupid Facebook uh, message. I should have turned my phone off. You know, somebody messaging me at 3 in the morning on Facebook. Then she got curious. She clicked on her telephone and it was one of her students. And the student said this, it was, it was a Friday night, she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. said, I, I'm beside myself. I've got a job interview in the morning, but I don't have a car to take me there and nobody to take me to the job interview. Not only that, I've got two kids and there's nobody to babysit the kids and I'm going to lose this job and I've got to have this job if I'm going to take care of my kids. My, my, uh, my interview is at 8 in the morning. Well, guess what LaShonda Carter did? She got up, she got ready, she drove to her house, she took them out to breakfast, she took the the job interview, the young lady got the, the job that she had done, and when she came back out, she thanked Carter and said, I can't believe you did this, and she said, I did it because when I looked and I saw your name, God said you were supposed to help this young woman, and she prayed with her there in the car. Now, I don't know what happened to that woman after that. But I guarantee you, there was either a planting of a seed, there was some watering, or there was some getting rid of some weeds, but there was an impact that was made. Here's a picture of her right after the job interview uh, with her student after she found out that she'd gotten the job. Uh, Just an amazing, amazing picture. God's going to nudge you every day. He's going to give you opportunities every day to make a difference in somebody's life, sometimes for all eternity. If you're only willing and able to be interrupted and to get involved, you're going to see God do amazing things all around you. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much. 
Help us to know that you want our lives to be a lot more exciting than they are now. That in every conversation we have, even with family and friends, that there's going to be opportunities to help, to care, to make a difference. Help us to look beyond the surface and really see the hurt that is in people and really respond with your love and your care. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation, and during this time, there's several different things you can do. You can come and pray at this altar, uh, pray about things going on in your life, have ministers that would love to come and pray with you. Uh, right where you're standing, you can say, Lord, this week, help me to have open eyes when I encounter people all around me, to not see just faceless people or be consumed by my schedule, but let me be interrupted this week to make a difference in somebody's life. I promise you, If you go out looking for God to do something in your life this week and to make a difference in someone else's, you will find it 100% of the time. Look for it. Have those open eyes. You can come during this time and say, I want to join this church. Be a part of what this church is doing. And the most important thing you could ever do is say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to follow him as Lord and Savior. But this is your time as we stand together and we sing.
seated for just a second, please. Uh, I don't know. All right, we'll start with start with Larry, and then we'll go go to Josh. Just don't end with Larry. Just don't. <laughs> okay, come on up, guys. This is Eric and Linda Lorch. Did I pronounce that correctly? It's a change. You know. But anyway, we're glad. You're, they, they come on a promise of a letter from the Beach Road Baptist Church in Southport, North Carolina. And uh, been attending our church for a number of weeks now. And feel like God is leading you here to, to be a part of this church and to serve him here at Westport Road Baptist Church. Amen. Jesus Christ is in your life and he's in all of ours. And, and you've got a great family now that will be uh, praying for them. Will you not? You not be praying. Now, after Josh is finished, uh, you want to come by and speak to them, okay? Speak to them. Introduce yourself to them and tell them that you're glad they're a part of Westport Road Baptist Church. Also, want to invite Michaela Riggle and Sean Harmon as well. And I see Jay Thomas is in the sanctuary as well. Come on, come, come forward. Um, Jay, we mentioned at the in the middle of the service, but uh, we do want to have a prayer over you as well. Jay's heading to uh, Southeast Asia and, and and around, and so we'll be praying for ministry in the Philippines and and, and a lot of different places over that. Um, I got a neat email this past week from a student that Jay taught in South Africa, uh, the Greek class, and about how much that meant to him. And they said there was a lot of material you covered, but they hoped you come back next year. So thanks for your ministry for that. Uh, one of the great things God has done in our church over the last few years is uh, we have had the privilege to develop interns. And so Luke Lyons is a former intern that's gone through our mix and chastity as well. And so it's a, we feel it's a way that God has equipped us and developed. And our church has been blessed through our interns, and we've had the chance to develop them. I want to introduce you to our two interns this year. This is Sean Harmon. Uh, Sean is a third-year seminary student at Louisville Seminary. He's going to be in our missions and, and evangelism and outreach intern and uh, really have the chance to partner with our, our local ministry partners and get in, um, get in and really be a liaison for that. And look for him at the Starbucks at the Paddock. Really be planning there a few times a week, getting to know hopefully the baristas and the people that come in is a chance really just to build some kingdom connections and to go with your eyes open into that. So great to have you, Sean. This is Michaela Riggle. Michaela's our student ministry uh, intern, and uh, Jacqueline had the privilege to know her when uh, Jacqueline was on staff at Southeast, and so has had the chance to watch you kind of grow, and and, uh, uh, Michaela's a senior at Liberty University Online, will be graduating in December with a heart to go into student ministry. (laughs) Pray, pray, pray. Uh, Statistics, right? Is that it? Math, math in general for that. So, it's great to have both of you uh, here as well, and we just uh, want to pray a commissioning over all three of you and pray that God will use uh, you all for his glory. Would you join me in a prayer? Father, I thank you that it's not by accident that you are at work in Jay's life and Sean's life and Michaela's life. We pray that you would strategically plant them uh, in fertile places that would grow and produce a great harvest. I pray the harvest would not delay. I pray the growth would not delay. But I pray that you would use this season of life and ministry for your glory as we commission them to serve you this year through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll invite our new members back up. Why don't you make your way as you go in peace to love and serve our Lord. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, 
MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.